Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who, me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. No, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. That was a steamy night in Cincinnati, Ohio. Clouds were rolling in. Just getting off a bit of a heat wave, maybe some storms that were going to be able to relieve it. I found myself in a room with two of my colleagues, having a good time with them, but knowing that there was more I had to do coming up later on tonight. Hi, everybody. Laundry? (laughs) Trying to set the stage for some sort of, you know, criminal hit job that I have to do because that's our script this week. That's right. Hi, everybody. This is Jack. Hitman do laundry. Yeah, sure. They have to clean the blood off their clothes. <laughs> ah, maybe that's your hitman task for the evening. I gotta clean my hitman clothes off. It's gonna be a long night. Oh, man. This is Allison. And we got Frank here with us. Yeah. I'm here with you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, it, listeners, let me just say it's a delight to try to figure out what Jack is going to do to open this show. It's not a delight. It's, it's, it's got to be some I'm sort sitting of... here bemused. Like, is this nerd really doing this? Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. I think it's very sweet that you still find me bemusing because I can see this becoming yeah. a kind of thing where after a while it's like, all right, genius, what what brilliant thing that you're going to try to do I already yelled different. at you for the, for the weather. <laughs> that was, that's literally the most boring thing you've ever done. Well, and I felt like and I was, you did it repeatedly. I well, I felt like I was kind of walking a fine line describing <laughs> the environment tonight, but I was setting up an actual oh, thing. Oh, no, so. you were doing a voice, Jack. That's way better. Our... Our uh, guest this week is Clint Horvath, who wrote a script called The Hit, and it's about yes. a hitman, and I was just trying to set the stage a little bit. You did a great job. We're in yeah, it to win it now. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> um, we were lucky enough to get Clint's story through Film Freeway, but if you're interested in submitting your story to Script Shop, the place where we talk about the stories that writers just had to get out of their hearts and put it to the world, hmm. you can do that by going to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Absolutely. Uh, find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, Script Shop Show, on all of those platforms. You can find us, you can follow us, you can friend us, and uh, it's uh, we'd appreciate it very much. We're trying to we're trying to grow the show, and we'd love to be able to connect with you, and if you have a thought about something, whether it's something we're just you know tweeting or posting on our own, or a reaction to the show itself, we would uh, love Love you to uh, connect with us, please. If you're also looking to connect with us in person, get your tickets to the Independent Film Festival oh, yes. coming up August 29, 30, 31, 2019 at the Woodward Theater in Cincinnati, Ohio. You will meet Frank Steele. Da-da-da. You will meet Jack Crumley. Da-da-da. You will meet Allison West. Da-da-da. As well as the cast of characters that frequently play into our show. Baby Debbie will be there. Baby Olive will be there. Philip will be there. <laughs> And we've got. And you guys don't have friends, and, <laughs> and we have, except for me. We have quite a few former script shop guests that I, yes, I think are going to be tons. showing up we've again We've got too. lots of uh, script shop alum and independent alum from 2018 coming. So um, come meet the cast of characters that you can't live without. Do a cool thing. Come to Cincinnati for the film festival that uh, Script Shop is a sponsor of. Allison's the creator of. Please, uh, come. we're doing this thing, and we're excited to do it again. We would love for you to come into town and enjoy it with us. I don't think it'll be boring. It won't it'll, be boring. It's going to be good. If it's boring, I will... 
hurt myself. Oh, God. <laughs> then please come to town and have fun with us. We need you to. Uh, one other thing that we would uh, be very thrilled about if you were interested in is in terms of uh, supporting the show financially, we are on Patreon. Uh, if you want to, if you like the show and want to maybe help us grow it a little bit. Throw those Roonies and Reenies our way. We'll take the Reenies and Roonies, which means money. And uh, we, Buckaroonies, of course, what the genesis of that is. Buckaroonies, Buckaroonies. And uh, we'd be thrilled. Uh, any kind of support that you'd even consider throwing our way would be. Uh, Including hot burritos. Yeah, sure. Because you could throw pay, them. That's a you could pay bills with that. I just had to check to make sure I ate the rest of my burrito, and I think that I did. I'm not sure if you did or not. You know, there's a game coming out called Throw Throw Burrito. Is there? It's by the guy that made Exploding Kittens. That guy's a genius. And he did a, like he did another Kickstarter. Like the, the Kickstarter for Exploding Kittens was huge. It's the guy that does the comic called The Oatmeal. His name escapes me right yeah. now. But he did that Exploding Kittens card game, which was like one of the biggest Kickstarters in Kickstarter history. Mm-hmm. And now he's got this new game that he's working on coming out soon called Throw Throw, throw, throw a burrito, burrito, where it's like a little plush stuffed burrito that you Aww. maybe have to throw at somebody if they do the wrong thing. Oh, cute. Well, listen, if you want to throw throw burritos our way, you can hashtag hot burrito your screenplays when you send them in. Or you know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Put it in your comments. We'll read your comments first. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing. I don't want to read the comments. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter comments. Oh, and Twitter stuff. comments. Are yeah, fine, sure. Just hot burrito your way into our hearts and our minds. So let's talk to Clint. But we should probably talk to Clint. I'm gonna go to the phones right now and make sure Clint Horvath is there waiting to come on and tell us his story. Hi, Clint Horvath. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing good, man. Thanks. Clint, the important question: What do you think of Jack's? Kind of gruff, weird yeah, it's voiceover. Voice. It's like his his film noir. Yeah, that's story. actually the voice I do for every movie I write. My wife <laughs> yeah. makes fun out of me for for every character I make. He always has that same voice. That She's gruff like, Why voice. Are you doing that? Oh yeah, do you want to share that voice yeah, with yeah, us now? Do it, do it, do it. Just when I'm like starting, you know, it's like yes. I don't understand why, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You know, you just get really low, and you're just like everything that you're kind of like bewildered about but you're like doing it depressed if, if you guys want to take a break from it hold on clint and i are going to have a conversation uh clint this is uh it's pretty weird talking on skype isn't it yes it is uh i'm just sitting here at my desk mm-hmm. drinking some water yeah. you know it's just <laughs> yep that was it that's what that's what we, do. we talk in that voice yeah. we drink water oscars yeah. oscars oscars <laughs> uh, clint where are we talking to you from i'm in fort lauderdale florida yeah nice you uh, born and raised? I actually grew up in uh, Detroit, so not far from Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, 20 minutes outside of Detroit in a suburb called Dearborn. Mm-hmm. Boy, so, you, just drove, there. you just drove straight down I-75 all the way until you hit the oh, water, yeah. huh? I couldn't wait. When I, was, I turned 19, uh, I left, and then uh, I went to college, and then um, I just ended up staying. Yes. Met my future wife and Aww. had kids and Aww. all that good stuff. Yes. So you went to college in Florida then? Yes. Was that like part of a plan or were you like, anywhere I can go, I'm going to go there. And then Florida showed up and you went, let's do it. It's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. When I looked at the map and I'm like, well, this is really far down there. I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, like I was kind of scared to go close to the water because being in Michigan, like we had the lakes, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad. It wasn't no ocean. Um, but when I I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know, it's, I needed a change. You know, Michigan weather is, is terrible. Yeah. Um, Eight months out of the year, it's you know it's terrible, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been great. Um, work has been good, you know. Everything's been been really well for me out here, so I just ended up staying. What did you uh, What did you initially Was there a plan? What you went to school for? Or did you knew you wanted to study something in particular? Um, my whole life I've been drawing. Um, I wanted to go into kind of like a like an animation type field. Um, but when I applied to um the school I went to. 
um, everything was computer animation. And I was like, I'm not really good with computers. I'm mm. really more hands-on, pencil, paper type of guy. Um, and I just, like, picked out of the book. I'm like, I'll just do visual effects. And, you know, obviously it's with the computer, but mm-hmm. it was more film-oriented. Um, and I love movies, so I, I just kind of picked it. And I really didn't know what it was. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's what that is? Cool. You know, and uh, I went ahead and finished the, the course. I actually started working while I was still in school. So I was actually uh, working at a local news station and um, attending school. And, and that ended up being your major, something, some sort of uh, visual graphics in filmmaking? Yeah, I'm still in that really right now. So I've been, I'm on my fourth uh, job in, in this career. Uh, I moved up uh, along the way, and um, I do motion graphics for a sports network cool. uh, here in Fort Lauderdale. So I'm, I literally work 10 minutes from my house, which is a blessing. So yeah. it's really nice. I, you know, this is another one of those topics of like why are we discussing this on the show but not having to drive in traffic is wonderful <laughs> yeah. yeah it's amazing yeah it's amazing i was working in miami for 10 years and uh you know the last, when i had my son in 2015 that whole year i just took the bus just to kind of save on on money on gas and all that good stuff and um i used that time to ride on the bus which was great but it was a trek you know going to and from it was like a 12-hour day Mm, man, that's, I mean, that's really tough. Yeah, and, and not having, and like not having any say in, I mean, you're, you're going on the, whatever the route for the bus is, and like, the, the, you know, the, the freedom of having a car that you get to drive yourself, it, the, there's a bit of a trade-off there when you're riding the bus. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, the bus was like strict on uh, when they leave, when, when they picked up, so right. I had to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love you guys, bye! <laughs> Gotta go! <laughs> some would stop, but some wouldn't. Yeah. Like, no. like, almost at, st- at the station. So uh, going to school for the computer graphics type part of things, when when did writing become a thing for mm-hmm. you? Well, in 2008 or nine, I, I really wanted to start directing, making movies. And uh, I made my first film. I had a, a friend of mine write these um, screenplay. I told him the story. And um, after that one came out, you know, it was kind of a mix amongst people, mixed reviews amongst people. And I'm like, you know what, let me just try to learn how to write. And I was always curious with writing i thought i was kind of witty and funny in my writing i never thought of it as a um as something i would really take on and do because i had you know friends who wrote all the time like well i'd rather work with somebody but um i started writing and then my second film went to festivals and it was a comedy uh, it was it was pretty much a pretty funny and then i decided to get my master's in creative writing and then my thesis uh ended up going to a online competition and it became a uh, finalist so that was uh pretty interesting and i'm like okay this is kind of cool like, that's awesome looks like it's pretty fun let me keep going and i just kept writing kept shooting um so every chance i get when i'm not at work i'm writing to make a movie or a feature or well a short film pretty much yeah so you just kind of started developing this throughout your school career and then had a couple of opportunities that sprung up that you've been able to continue. It's like just fueling the fire there a little bit for you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. You know, at my job now, like we, I'm a graphic designer, so to speak, but we have we're a small team and we do commercials. So I'm I started writing commercials and then we start we I started directing them. So oh, I kind of cool. got that under my belt, you know, yeah. for the work part of it. Okay, well now I direct for a sports network, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask how how your work you know sort of helps out with your with your passion and your side stuff as far as writing and producing your own stuff. But yeah, I think you already just described it. You're already directing things, so you're building up your own resume there, and you're also networking with people and meeting with them and forging connections. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. The, the South Florida acting community is is it's a small community, but they all they all like help each other. So once they, I met a lot of them. Once I met one of them, then I started to meet all of them, and then they all started to see my work. And just once they started working with me, whether it was at the, my my job or on a side project, they're all everyone was like, okay, Clint, just let me know when uh, you need me. I'll be there. And uh, my last short film, uh, which was a comedy. The main actor, um, he told me, he's like, Clint, I have a lot of projects, but I think I'm going to stop all of them. I want to focus just on yours because I wow. really love the script. And it was, it's just to hear that from somebody I don't really know. And, and most of the stuff I do right now is no budget. Um, it's kind of, it kind of feels amazing. Mm-hmm. What do you mean it feels amazing? Amazing like how? Um, just to, just to hear that people are enjoying the script and not only that, they're enjoying the process of making a film with you, yeah. you know, coming from, from Michigan, I, you know, when I came here by myself, I've been in, in Florida for 16 years now, but for a long, long time, I've been alone here, you know, no family, mm-hmm. no friends and just kind of building up. It's kind of really, really awesome. This is like your, your new way of building a community and having yeah. a community in your life. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, and the fact, too, you've got these people that are doing – you said you're doing stuff that's basically no budget. So clearly they're the, the people that are you're collaborating with to make this thing are doing it because they, they really want to. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what makes it great. Like there's a lot of projects, people doing things. Uh, I just feel like when we work together and they're just starting to see the process, like they're just, okay, like I'm, I'm all in. And that makes that fuel the fire for me. You know, it's like okay, let's let's do this to to the, what we can. And uh, the film that we just finished, um, I had a thirty minute uh, comedy film, and every actor won a, a best actor award cool. at the Gorilla Movie Making Festival. Oh, that's great! That's really which cool. was amazing. Yeah. Um. So, do you? You know, you're talking about a couple of different things that you write, but what styles do you typically play around with? Do you normally write hitman dramas or? <laughs> You know, do you- uh, the the hit was a collection of like a, a six part type of series. I filmed the first two, which all had to deal with hitmen and assassins, um, and you know, part four, which is about um, Vincent, which is the uncle in the story of the hit. It's about his beginning and his how he became okay. a villain. Um, and you know, the hit is like way after that movie, mm-hmm. but. Um, I, I don't really write in Hitman. Um, I kind of, I don't know. I just, I kind of write whatever I know I can film. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, and I'm kind of thinking about character arcs all the time. Mm-hmm. It's interesting uh, that you bring up that this was part of a six series thing because Jack and I were discussing before our interview and we had a lot of questions about some of the pieces of the story. And now knowing that it's part of something that's a little yeah. bit bigger that's really exciting because we were totally on the money knowing that there was more story here somewhere and that somewhere is, of course, in your mind or in those other episodes. And it will be awesome talking to you about some of those pieces that we were trying to figure out just perfectly. Oh, yeah. of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they make some references to some other things. And I was like, I don't remember that that happened and this is, this is good. So, But you said you produced uh, some of the previous stories in this in this anthology? Yeah, the hit is part three in the anthology and I produced the first two. Um, the first three movies uh, all take place in the same time period. You know, then the next three are all over the place. You got one in the 70s, right, in Vietnam War. And then you have the, the next one after that would be in the future, 2024. We're kind of getting close to that now. But <laughs> when I started writing these, it was in 2012, 2013. Yeah. Um, and then the last one would take place in 1920. 
So, wow. you know, those two would kind of jump around That's the fun. timeline. What's the point of jumping around in the timeline for this story? Oh, showing the origins of some of the characters in the first story. That's cool. So in part five, which is called Redemption, it's about uh, a woman assassin who is Emma in the hit. Ooh. Oh, assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Cool. Yeah. Well, the, so I mean, so you you you're building a whole a whole universe yeah. here with, with with stories and stuff. How much planning? What, what sort of work? Diagramming things out with characters and story arcs and jumping around in time and all that. That's that's a, a very involved thing with a lot of moving parts. A huge inspiration for me was the Bible. So huh. I looked at the book, the stories of Genesis, and I looked at the characters, the twelve apostles, and I started thinking, okay, well, they all have great stories. How could I take this? and modernize it but then modernize it in a way where it's unrecognizable yeah, i took a lot of the names in the first two movies especially the first one they're anagrams of uh of jesus of um uh what do you, uh, what's the guy's name judas you know so it's all, all that one <laughs> that guy that guy yeah wow so i mean so this started out as an overt adaptation of bible story that's so cool yeah yeah I mean, we yeah, haven't heard anything like that before. Oh, no, that's a new one for me. Is, is the hit then based on anything specifically from the Bible? No, 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 no. It's just I really wanted to tell the story of a man who sees the beauty in life from a, from a child, from a little girl. Because, And I wanted to start the story off. When I first wrote it, I started it off where he is he's in like a, um, a complete state of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. You know, and then I kind of reworked it where he, you start, you see the bad part of him and then you kind of see it kind of unfold. But I wanted to take it off like, okay, this is one day and he's already neglecting. He's not neglecting, but he's already like, um, he's already done with this life. He wants to change. And the little girl kind of really shows him that there's beauty in the world. Right. Yeah. I was, we were talking about the tone of this too. And just that the tone is a little bit, um, not what you would expect from like, if someone said, this is a, a hit man. Yeah you know, conflict driven or conflict, internal conflict story. Yeah. There's like this beautiful kind of appreciation of the small things in life. And I think we get that from Emma. I talk about it a lot with um, my daughter, Olive, who will be 16 months at the end of this month that, yeah, people a lot of times will be like, Oh, your life is super busy. And I say, yeah, it is. But there's also these other big pockets where we just look at rocks for an hour. And there's this other side of it that kind of like balances out and shapes the way my world is, which is, got a lot of contrast, but the whole tone of it feels different to me than what I think a lot of people can see sometimes. Mm-hmm, of course. And I wrote this before I had kids, but now having two children, you know, it's the same thing like you're saying, you know, we look at rocks with the bugs, you know, right. lizards in the backyard. So mm-hmm. it's just very, very simple. And you get to see how, how they experience it. Like their eyes light up and it, it just changes your whole aspect of it. In your script here, in the hit, I mean, we were talking about how this hitman, Frank, sort of has to take care of this little six-year-old girl. How much has having kids, you know, changed maybe your writing style or certain things that you want to write about, stories that you want to tell? Has that affected things at all? Um, I think the new one I'm working on now has. Um, yeah, you know, like it's – the one I'm working on now is it's about a man who's already lost everything, starts off losing everything, and mm-hmm. his whole goal is to get his kids back. Okay. You know, that's the whole thing. So – I think having kids, you know, you know, once you have kids, you'll do anything for them and there's, there's nothing you wouldn't do. So I think that has changed it. You know, I don't think I would have written something like this a while ago, 
How does it feel to write a story about losing children and trying to get them back? That, yeah. that would be very challenging, I think, just emotionally to go through. Um, well, the guy I'm, I'm working with is my brother-in-law, and he's uh, he's great on camera. He's a great actor. Um, he has a huge connection to my children, uh, you know, his niece and nephew, and uh, he's had some some conflict, um, you know, in his personal life. So it's funny watching him talk about them being his kids. Mm -hmm. and, oh, sure. You know, and now it, it's like when we did a scene last week and, you know, it was kind of like improv. I kind of give him the, the gist of the scene and I just tell him, okay, go ahead, ad lib. You know, and I tell him what I want mm -hmm. to be in there. Kind of like a Larry David Kirby enthusiasm style where it's like, okay, just let's do it. Um, you know, it, it's really genuine. It's it just having, having him be the actor in it and he had the connection mm -hmm. and he knows what it's like. I think that, that that's, it's real. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, if you wrote in the hit, um, if you wrote the story of uh, our main character taking on this young girl before you had children, did that metaphor for parenthood come from any place in particular for you? Where did that piece of the story spring up? Oh, I think I, I've been a kid my whole life. I don't think I've actually grown up. You know, I feel like, um, you know, the, the real people who, the only people who do see how simple life is and how beautiful it is, is our children. Um, and I wanted to tell a story where just a guy can't see it. Like, you know, adults can't see that. Mm -hmm. Only way we can is from children. Uh, you said that you were a little more interested in art as far as hand drawing and stuff. Does that mean you're a comic book guy at all? Um, back, in the, back when I was a child, I would always buy them to draw. I would never read a comic book. Okay. Even till this day, like I buy them for the cover art for the artist who drew them, and yeah. Because I, one of the things that I thought of as I was reading the story again about this hitman that's sort of taking care of this little girl. There's a, a Japanese comic from gosh decades ago called Lone Wolf and Cub, and it's it's he, it's this samurai who's got like a little baby. Uh, Frank Miller did some covers for it. I, I couldn't even tell you the uh, the writer. Uh, but it's this Japanese story about this samurai who's having to haul around a little kid, and I thought, oh, that I thought there might have been a connection there. That's cool. Oh, I love it. No, I haven't have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's from like the 70s. That yeah. sounds – I yeah. love the stuff people come up with. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, I try to do all my own artwork for the posters of my films, of my stories. I always start, too, with, a, with the font or the logo to get more inspired okay. when I'm writing the story. So in the hit, uh, we've been saying it's the story of this uh, guy, Frank, who is a professional contract killer. He's on various jobs, and on his latest job now, he's uh, been assigned to take out this uh, this musician before he can play a gig at, at a bar or at a venue somewhere. And in the course of him getting ready to do this job, he finds out that his dad's health has taken a turn for the worse, his dad, who he doesn't really have a, much of a connection with. And he, in the course of things, runs into his dad's brother, this Vincent that we've been talking about uh, Vincent is kind of a dirtbag, but again, Frank hasn't had any connections really with anybody for a while, so he's kind of reconnecting with these family members. And Vincent has this little girl, this little six-year-old Emma, who's with her, with him, and he sort of pawns Emma off on Frank mm -hmm. for a while, at least for a day, if they not a day a, or they two. They go to the horse races, right. they go to the park, they eat some yogurt together. Yes, and Frank sort of. Like you're talking about, he he was sort of conflicted about the fact that he's still doing this job, and now he's taking care of this little girl, and his his mind is sort of waking up to this idea that there there can be more to life than right. just this awful job that I'm doing that I don't want to do. Yeah. And, 
Uh, it leads to some complications down the road, and we were going to read a scene selection from your script, Clint, about uh, the scene where Frank and Vincent uh, reconnect in Frank's father's empty apartment. Sounds great. Awesome. Okay. Hang on one second. Okay. So, listeners, if you're following along, we're going to be at the bottom of page eight. Um, today, I will be reading action headings and playing with child Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank will be reading for Vincent. Yeah, don't stay with us here. Yeah, and Jack will be reading for Frank. I'm going to be reading for Frank. And I'm like, this isn't me doing, it's not doing... Frank voice. Not, it's Frank voice, but it's not our Frank voice, if that makes sense. It's a version of Frank. Yeah. What is our Frank voice? Well, that's your voice. What right is there. our Frank voice? I can't even <laughs> do this it. One. I'm way too colorful. Even <laughs> I do a Frank my tone. Voice. Yeah, you, well, you can do any Frank, Frank, you Frank voice. Frank voice. <laughs> you do a perfect Frank voice, Frank. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> the reviewer later on didn't really buy the Frank voice, though. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we are starting from the bottom of page eight. Yeah, uh, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interior, father's studio apartment, kitchen, day. Man, it's been a long time since I saw you. You must have been... Vincent turns around. Frank and Emma stare at each other. Emma's age. Vincent walks over to them. Intercut to the living room. This is Emma. Emma, this is Frank. He's your cousin. Say hello. Hello. Frank nods and walks over to the kitchen. Yeah. Intercut to the kitchen. He picks up his drink and stands at the table. Vincent sits at the kitchen table. I didn't know you kept in touch with my old man. It's been a while. We were just starting to... Vincent looks down. How come? Vincent looks up. Let's just say, in my line of work, I wasn't able to keep in touch. Frank looks at Vincent's right hand that has a nasty scar over its ring finger. Vincent covers it. Frank looks at the tattoo on his right ring finger. And now? I'm retired. Frank grins. You live around here? Yeah, here, there. I work a lot, so just clearing some stuff for my dad. You still playing guitar? No, I'm in insurance now. What happened? Your dad was always so proud of you when you were playing. Just stopped. Never got as good as I wanted to get. Frank drinks his whiskey. Well, your dad always said you'd be a big hit one day. You must make a killing in insurance. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Frank pulls up a chair and sits. He pours himself some more whiskey. Frank sips it. Vincent eyes the bottle of whiskey. Frank picks up the bottle. You want? I better not. Vincent nods to Emma, who plays with her rag doll. Frank sips some more and nods back. You going to be around here for a while? Frank shakes his head. Uh, probably not. Vincent leans in towards Frank. Frank, I-, I need a favor. I'm having a hard time staying afloat right now. I'm I'm a little behind on the rent. You think you can spot me a few? <laughs> I... Frank checks his pockets and pulls out two $100 bills. Is this, is this good? Vince grabs it. I don't get my check till next Tuesday. Frank stands up and gestures to the door. Don't worry about it. Intercut to the entrance. Can I ask you another favor? Frank raises his eyebrows. You think you can keep an eye on Emma for a minute? My landlord's a real... Frank shakes his head. Can't. You'd really be helping me out. Frank looks at Emma. Emma sits quietly. Frank. That's enough, all right? I haven't seen you in a long fucking time. All right, calm down. Emma, let's go. Frank opens the door. Vincent exits. Emma walks past Frank. Bye. Frank doesn't answer. He closes the door. He continues to move boxes. Knock, knock. Frank swings the door open. What is it now? Emma stands alone. 
her arms wrapped tight around her rag doll. What? Where's your dad? He said for me to stay here. Frank closes the door. He turns around with his back against the door. That mother... He turns back around and opens the door. He puts his head on the edge of the door. He looks at Emma. She smiles. End scene. There we go. Ooh, Vincent. That's great, guys. He's Vince is a Thanks, piece man. of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the that's the big moment when Vincent sort of foists Emma onto Frank, and now he's. I wanted to ask you, just coming off of that scene specifically, he is thrust into it, but for you writing this story and having created this Frank character, why does he agree to take this little girl, take her in? He, he, he could have shut the door. He, he, he really could have. At this point, there's a, like, like we said earlier, I think there's a, there's a turning part in him where he, he wants to change. From what happened in the beginning of the story, he, he wants to change. So when the little girl is there at this moment in his life, it just, he already has a change of heart. So this is just like, okay, all right, let's, let's do this. Okay. Because in the beginning, after he kills his friend, he doesn't want to do his job anymore. He's already decided. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, that's how the script opens of him killing this guy that we sort of later find out through some visual uh, cues that it was a buddy of his that uh, he maybe didn't want to kill. Yeah, that's a, that's probably a good reason to want to get out of the business. Yeah, if, you have yeah. To you, if someone said to me, Allison, listen, I need you to kill Jack, mm -hmm. and you're and you're and a professional went, kill. Yeah, and I went through with it. Mm -hmm. I think I would rethink things. Well, that's nice. Thank you. Thank you for rethinking things after having gone through it. Afterwards, yeah. It would yeah. be hard. It would be really hard. What a thoughtful friend. <laughs> so Frank and Emma have this day where they're like, uh, like, like Allison said, uh, they, they, they're at the horse track. Uh, they're getting ice cream. It uh, sounds like my husband's perfect day, actually. <laughs> yeah, going to the track. Yeah. Uh. And so then ultimately, uh, Frank is sort of trying to drop her back off to Vincent because he still has this job to do. Uh, he, has to, he has a meeting with this guy. Who, uh, what's the guy? Wolf. The big sort of threatening Scary guy. Kingpin, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the kingpin type who comes and says, Hey man, you haven't done this job yet that I need for you to do. what's been going on? Are you taking care of kids now? And he's sort of trying to nudge him into getting the job done and Frank's sort of telling him, Hey man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. They have a bit of a back and forth and then ultimately at the end when uh Frank is trying to drop Emma back off to Vincent, right? At the end of the day, yes. Yeah. He takes him back he takes her back home. Yeah, and there's he a falls asleep in a car, yeah. Yeah. He tries he to her in bed. Is is Frank trying to kill Vincent at at this point? Or is he just like mad at him and kind of beating him up a little bit for not taking care of Emma very well? Yeah, he's mad at him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he's he's done killing. He's he's he realizes how precious she is and how her dad doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think he's kinda of longed for this relationship with his father, but it's very estranged. Right. Yeah, he and Vincent have a bit of a, a back and forth, and Frank's trying to tell him, you know, what a bad father he's being. But, you know, I, I, on some level, Vincent does have a point when he comes back and says, you, you've been around, you've been doing this for one day, and now, and you haven't been around at all, and now you're trying to tell me how to do whatever. I mean, is Vincent a heroin addict? Yes. Is he probably not a great father? Yeah, for sure. He just leaves his kid. But Frank really also doesn't have any business telling Vincent what to do because he's just shown up in this whole thing. Well, I mean, he does see him like leaving his daughter and running away to do drugs. Well, that's true. I, I think that's enough for somebody to interject themselves and be like, listen, get it together. Well, that's true. You know, even if he did get the beautiful side of children, 
and Emma was a perfect angel all right. day long. You know, he got the good stuff. Right. But I do think that's yeah. enough for someone to be like, listen, sleazebag, knock it off. Yeah. Do you, I mean, you, you wrote Vincent in a way that he's, I mean, he, he's not just a total full-blown cartoon character style sleazebag. He's a guy that's done some bad stuff and mm-hmm. has made some bad decisions. And Yeah. Is dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah, he's at his end of his 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 road there. Mm-hmm. Um, his whole beginning, which I go on, I mean, I mean, wrote a feature for him. Um, his whole beginning, he came from the military, and then he went back to a corrupt town, and he had no choice but to get involved to help out the family. This takes place right after Vietnam War, so he, there's a little bit of uh, PTSD with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Well, so that's that's got to be interesting. Taking a character that you've written and you sort of tell the origin of you know, how they got into doing whatever this thing is that they do and then flashing ahead to be telling somebody else's story and then take a, a version of this guy that you had written before or has, you've written things about that take place before and now the older version of them. That's, that's it's, it's interesting toys to play with, I would compare it to. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's very cool. I mean, is that is that is it challenging to keep track of, you know, Vincent, this is where he's at in his life, or, and, you know, how he's going to interact it, with Frank? Yeah, and where they cross at what points? Um, well, I wrote the hit first, and when I knew I wanted to do an anthology, I was like, well, Vincent's a really cool character. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really like him. Uh, at the time, I didn't really have um, any ties to uh, military background, but when I started writing... Vinny, which is his story, um, I, I, he came from there. He's kind of like my version of Michael Colleone. You know, you first meet Michael in The Godfather where he's from the Army. Mm-hmm. But he goes back home, and it's just that's what the life is. There's no way but not to get involved. So in the end of it, after Frank has dropped off Emma and she's uh, singing Ring Around the Rosie, Vincent finds Frank's stuff and ends up coming up behind him and killing him at the end, right? As sort of Frank is singing along with Emma saying, Ashes, Ashes, uh, which is a, the visual on that I thought was extremely cool. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this is a, is this a redemption story? It, it, by the end of the story, do you feel like Frank is redeemed by Emma? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I reread the script yesterday, and I feel like I have to put another scene uh, before he goes to the house. Okay. Just to kind of make amends with his dad. So maybe he goes to the hospital uh-huh. and oh, that's with good. flowers, and he actually actually talks to his dad, who's still you know in the coma. Yeah. Um, I think he, I think we need that. Where um, if but, he's more yeah. resolved with the relationship between his own father, then he would be more willing to, you know, have an opinion and a stance on the one between Emma and her father. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. That's what I was. So I'm gonna go ahead and add that in there. That's great. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, good for you. Because that yeah. changes the other sort of question I have is the if you're maybe looking at themes and stuff. I was reading this and thinking about things and the idea of family almost being Frank's downfall. Like if it wasn't for the fact that his dad was sick, he wouldn't have bumped back into Vincent. He wouldn't have taken care of Emma, and he probably and he would still would have been miserable in his job, and maybe would have tried to quit a different way. But specifically, the way the dominoes fell in this story, he gets killed because he tried to reconnect with family. Ultimately, that's a that's a pretty sad way of looking at it. That's the last thing that should happen. <laughs> I know. That's why I was curious if that was something you were maybe consciously putting in or if that's me just reading into things my own way. Um, I, I think we looked at the character Vincent. You know, Vincent is just, he's hes hes out there. He's a family member that you don't want to be family with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think when he kills Frank, it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of jealousy. It's a little bit of envy. It, it's its its everything. 
You know, the fact that he's on drugs, uh, he sees money, he's a sleazebag. He can't think about the good ever. Um, I think it just, it just happens. You know, it just, that anger from the day before kind of carried over. Well, and he's, and he's also maybe a warning for Frank, a specter of this is what you could become if you keep doing this thing. Mm -hmm. He's definitely the future. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I like the idea of there being like a tangible example of who he could be in the future in this anthology and in this moment of him. Mm-hmm. It's one of those cool metaphorical ways to tie all the different stories together in terms of like you got to make a choice now or this anthology has set up that this is how you're going to go. Yeah, sure. You know, and the, the character wouldn't know anything like that, but the audience gets to experience that, and that's very cool. Yeah. You know, I wanted to ask about this musician as well that makes its appearance. Is that just like a one-off, you have a hit, go do this hit? research this musician and try to kill him type of thing? Is that just a device or does that play into a larger story as part of the larger story? Um, I don't really know. I, my dad uh, is a musician and he plays the piano though, but his stage name is Johnny Russo. Oh. So <laughs> I kind of wanted to throw some of my, my family background in here a little bit. That's cool. Um, just a little, little bit here and there. Get pay homage to my dad. Yeah, Johnny Russo really must have made somebody like, who wants to kill a musician playing at a bar? Like, he clearly must have. <laughs> he be donates like, money to the bartender's yeah. child's charity. <laughs> Johnny Russo doesn't seem like a bad guy at all. But in the he scene, played he goes the to wrong the song. Uh, and he finds the rag doll. You don't know if he actually kills him or not. Right. He's kind of like left up in the air. So right. that's what I kind of wanted to do. Okay, it's up to the imagination. But he does get a call in his car when he goes to visit. The next day, visit uh, Vincent and Emma mm-hmm. from Wolf. So maybe that's because he didn't do their job or who knows. Who knows? But he has a bag of money with him. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Wolf is like, this Johnny Russo played the wrong song at my daughter's birthday party. <laughs> we got to take him out. Hey, who's that, who's that Johnny Russo guy? We're going to have to deal with him. He didn't play happy birthday the right way. Oh, I got to do a voice now. He didn't play happy birthday like I wanted him to. <laughs> Yes, Mr. Wayne. Yes. We'll do whatever you want, sir. Uh, Are you going to produce the rest of this show, the rest of this anthology? What plans do you have for making this baby come to life? Oh, Frank's one of – the hit is one of my passion projects. I really want to do it. I found the actor to play Frank. Um, It's just that having a child actor is kind of like a little bit scary for me. Mm -hmm. Not to work with a child actor. It's just that – you know, there's a lot of scenes with her, and I don't know how that works. Like I said, I'm really I'm at zero budget right now. Um, so you're waiting for your own daughter to get old enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think now, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, yes. I mean, um, but this is one of those those films I'd want to have a little bit money behind, or you know, just to kind of make it make the days kind of okay. Well, this is what we're we're set for. You know, people are kind of going to come and and do it. Um, on a no budget project. I'll get a phone call today of saying, hey, you know, we can't come today. So it's one yeah. of those things where it's like, okay. Yeah. But this one, I kind of wanted to be like set. So I'm just kind of waiting for build up a budget mm-hmm. and then set it up. If anybody was interested in getting in touch with you about this, about throwing some money your way. Maybe some, some Rini's Rini's Rini's. Rini's. <laughs> Yeah. I love it when we say the same stuff, though. <laughs> Except that every time I jinx you, you never shut up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's my curse. I can't even remember your middle name, too, is the oh, thing. that's a shame. What's your middle name? Uh, we're, well, we got, we got Click going. We don't need to get into my middle <laughs> name right now. Click's about to give us contact information to try to get some funding for this Clint, thing. hit us with those digits. 
Uh, yeah, I have a website where you can see my films, trailers, and also read some of my stories and scripts. Uh, it's clinthorvath.com, C-L-I-N-T-H-O-R-V-A-T-H.com. Or you can send me an email at chorvat8 at gmail.com. Awesome. Clint, thank you so much. Uh, we'll make sure that uh, that contact info is available for people. Thank you for sending us your work. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Oh, I had a great time. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. There we go. There's Clint. Cool. Hitman. Yeah. Hitman. I do like this kind of internal, like, you know, like flower petals fluttering through the air Hitman story. Like a, yeah, okay. I kind of like that. Sure, like the, the beauty of life and the brutality of it all at the same time. Yeah, and you know, that, that theme can get played on a lot and, and a lot of the different stories we get. But there's just something a little pedantic about this in a positive way where it's slowed down mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, just talking about him is really illuminated that he wanted it yeah. to slow down. He wanted this other piece of life to show up. Yeah. I'm just thinking there's, there are a lot of stories about like hitmen that want out of the business and I can't, I want a story about a hitman who's like is enjoying his trying time in the business, in. like trying to get in and have, like having the time of his life doing stuff. <laughs> there's, Smoke and yeah. Aces, I suppose, has a lot of that in it. I haven't seen that. That's a, it's got a whole bunch of hit people all going after this one dude. That's a uh, that's a wild, wild, wild movie. I do like the idea of there being like a, a young kid trying to break into the hitman business. Yeah. And so he just keeps trying to kill people and it's messing things up in the wrong way and eventually – it works out. <laughs> That's not like bad. Like accidentally, unintentionally works out. That's not bad at all, yeah, It'd sure. It's funny to he's see a, that. He's a young go-getter. Yeah, exactly. He goes and gets the wrong folks. He has like light-up shoes and stuff, and so he's running down a dark alley trying to be hidden in his light-up shoes. <laughs> you know, he's just <laughs> inherently making the wrong choices. Yeah, he's, he doesn't know any better. He's a dummy. Uh, well, listeners, if you're interested in writing that script and sending it our way and yeah. being on the show, by all means, do that and submit it at scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Or Clint Horvath, if you're still listening, you want to write a sequel and have some kids. That could make figure <laughs> into your anthology some way. Uh, you can also connect with us online. We talked about Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm also on Twitter, at scriptshopjack. And I'm at your bestie, Westie. And uh, please, uh, leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or spread the word about the show. Anything you could do to uh, help us grow this baby, we would love that very much. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We love sharing these stories with you. And until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Script Shop. Script Shop. Script Shop. Script Shop.